0: From my living room in Flatbush, I'm Amanda Suarez. This is First Generation. I remembered yesterday that there was a super cool underground guerrilla feminist girl gang in 2009-2010. Just two girls, super grassroots, and um, it was you and I. (laughs) <laughs> that's real. Do you remember that? I definitely remember that We like got stickers made Yeah And we just like walked around Wherever we were mm-hmm. And just pasted a bunch of stickers Yes And I remember random people Like Instagramming them
1: mm-hmm. And I was like That's us That's us that, that, That's us
0: So Every time I Forget that I'm a badass bitch I need to remind myself mm-hmm. And please do the same Oh yeah remind yourself that you were in a guerrilla gang for sure yeah I think we were the Miami girl gang
1: yeah <laughs> I remember that too when you asked me like when you initially texted me and asked me to do this and I was just like oh wait Amanda and I collaborated on some things yeah yeah it was so like brief but like sweet just like
0: it was amazing I don't know why we didn't I mean it was also expensive Yeah,
1: it was pretty spendy.
0: I was definitely in no financial situation to be investing however much we invested in those stickers.
1: Yeah.
0: that was still pretty cool. It was still pretty cool. To me. I forget that I did that. Um, But yeah, on that note, introduce yourself, your name, your
1: background, what you're up
0: to, all that jazz.
1: My name is Glenda Waldo. And I live and work in Miami. I currently work at a museum, which we're recording in right now. Um, and I work in like the visitor services department. And I write poetry, which is badass. Thank you. I, <laughs> I feel like it's so cool. taken me such a long time to like accept that I am this person.
0: Oh, for sure. I didn't come to terms with writing until last summer. Before Miami, you were living in, or, well, I don't know if it's before Miami, but you were born in Canada, right?
1: Yeah, I was born in Toronto and lived there until I was about eight years old, and then I moved to upstate New York, like, western upstate New York, like rural <laughs> New York, and lived there until I was 11, and then I moved to Miami, grew up in, like, various neighborhoods, like, I grew up in so many different parts of Miami, (laughs) and then um, I moved to Asheville, North Carolina when I was 24, and I stayed there for about two years, maybe a little over two years, and I moved back to Miami this past November, and like, started working during Basel. Nice. Yeah. And your parents are
0: from the Philippines? Mm Mm-hmm. Both my parents
1: were born in the Philippines.
0: Did they meet there, or did they...
1: They immigrated to Canada, both of them, when they were, like, pretty young. I want to say, like, in their 20s, maybe their late teens, even. And that's where they met. They met in Canada. Nice. Mm. So
0: it's kind of crazy, because you're kind of first-generation, but also an immigrant. Mm -hmm. That's That's weird. (laughs) No, I think that's great. (laughs) I think that's awesome. How do you identify? Do you identify as, like... Canadian, Filipino-Canadian, Filipino-American, American, like, mm-hmm. where does it, how do you identify?
1: I identify as Filipino-Canadian, and I think about that a lot, actually, because, like, there are times where I'll be like, I haven't lived in Canada in a really long time, so maybe I'm not actually Canadian, but you know what? No, I'm gonna, I'm gonna own that, <laughs> my Canadianness.
0: So this is purely for selfish reasons I follow you on social media and I loved that Joshua trip you did and I feel like I was stalking you this morning and yesterday just to see if there's like other things that I can like talk about or whatever Mm -hmm. and it's different when you're seeing it like on your feed but like seeing your page is when I really realized just how like spiritual your page is really okay yeah (laughs) which I think is great I'm like on this sort of, I hate the word journey, but I'm definitely in this that's real. journey as well, um, uh, which your trip seemed very spi- spiritual. So just, mm-hmm. like, talk to me about that, because it looked amazing.
1: Yeah, so I was um, in the desert in California in March for about a week, and I went there um, for this artist residency called the Golden Dome, and it's an artist residency that's, like, Based on the tarot, it's very like it's performance amazing. art, like workshop based, and so each session is in a different location, or they'll alternate between um, Joshua Tree and then upstate New York. So like this session was in Joshua Tree, and the one before that, which I'd also gone to, was in upstate New York, and is based on um, one of the cards from the major arcana. So this session was the Chariot card, and the last session was the Lover's card. Um, So, yeah, the Chariot session was in Joshua Tree, and every single day was broken up into, like, these workshop schedules, but it was very loose. It was very, like, fluid. It wasn't like you have to go to all these things. Yeah, like when you're on a tour or something. Nice. Um, But, yeah, the way they had this one set up was a little bit different. Than the last session I had been to, so like every single day of this particular session was broken up by um, color, and each color was assigned to like a chakra, and so the first night at dinner, we had these bells in front of our plates, and whichever plate we sat at, the color of the bell that was in front of us was the color of um, was the color that we were going to host a workshop for. So like I got blue. Nice. And Blue's my favorite color.
0: It's not to make this
1: about me. but <laughs> <laughs> It's such a also good one of my favorite colors. Yeah. For sure. Blue is aso- associated with the um, throat chakra. So I hosted a workshop on the throat chakra with my friend named Yumi, who was one of the artists there. Nice. I
0: don't know anything about chakras, really. I'm still learning also. <laughs> so, like, how does that tie into tarot and spirituality?
1: Well, the chakras in tarot... I know that, like, certain cards have associations with all sorts of symbolism, like, numeral- yeah, numerology and, like, astrological associations, and, like, some of them are assigned... Well, they're all assigned with, like, a different element, um... With chakras... See, like, I'm still figuring it out. I'm very new to that... World. Idea. Yeah. And that's what I really liked about the Golden Dome, is that they are very, like, open to, like, people who are new to... Yeah. Like, that's really Figuring cool. out their spiritual journeys. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what does it mean when you say that, like, the one upstate was about the lover's card, mm-hmm. and then the one... Like, how does that one card sort of dictate that cor- that week?
1: Yeah, so pretty much every workshop was related to the themes of the Chariot card or the Lover's card in some way. So, um, like for example, one of the workshops that we did at the Chariot was we had this artist named Asher Hartman. Um, they came and did a workshop with us about like willpower and discipline and like writing down, like, things that we wanted to do but felt like we couldn't do, and, like, really flushing out the idea of, like, why there was a blockage for us to, like, not be able to do things, and it was... That's amazing. Yeah, it was really interesting, because, like, they had us, um, like, illustrate what these blockages felt like. So I have, like, literally pages of just, like, really intense, like, scribbling, and then there will be, like, a page of, like, nothing, because I was meditating on, like, something that I felt like I couldn't do, but was actually just, like, not that big of a deal, so I didn't really have anything to, like, write about, but it was really insane, because, like, during that workshop, I remember, like, closing my eyes the whole time while Asher was speaking, and I could just hear, like, everybody else writing in their journals, and, like, that was like a really beautiful like moment
0: for me yeah that sound um, I would imagine is really great Mm, like really gratifying especially as like a writer yeah totally how do you feel post Golden Dome
1: I feel really refreshed it was like hitting a reset button for me because the last time I was in the desert like specifically Joshua Tree I was like I was in LA for the LA Art Book Fair in 2016 to help a friend out and um I just went on this like rogue road trip to the desert with one of my good friends and at the time I was like in this like obviously like abusive relationship and so I just remember like being in the desert for like a couple of hours and just like trying to like cultivate like a language to like talk about what I was dealing with because I was so in that moment of like the trauma that I was dealing with, that I didn't know really how to process it. And when I left the desert, I got, like, reception back on my phone, and the guy that I was seeing at the time, like, left this really snarky voicemail about, like, he was like, I'm sure you're, like, out there in the desert doing, like, mushrooms or, like, acid with your friends and you're not with me, like, it was just very, like, passive-aggressive and... (laughs) Yucky. So... It just felt really nice to be able to replace, like, that association with the desert and, like, just be around, like, in this totally safe space with all these witchy, like, humans, like, beautiful, like, (laughs) witchy creatives. Yeah.
0: Yeah. One of the questions I actually wrote verbatim says, this isn't even a question, but you've been incredibly (laughs) open about abusive relationships and mental health, and for that, thank you. How did you, how do you even get to be that comfortable that you're, like,
1: so open with something so traumatic? I think it's just part of me that, like, wants to, (laughs) I will blame this on my Aquarius moon. (laughs) It's, like, part of me wants to, like, contribute to the world and make it a better place by, like, of offering up my own experiences to like talk about because I know that my experience is not something that people are unfamiliar with but I also know that it is my own experience yeah. so just being able to like voice it at all is really cathartic for me and it also opens up a dialogue and like it's just really important for me I feel to like be able to learn how to talk about something that I am still dealing with I personally still feel like I'm dealing with it and I know it's something that I'm gonna like carry with me like throughout my life but the fact that I can accept that it happened to me and I don't know like feel stronger like getting out of it um it's like this idea of cruel optimism in a way which is this book by lauren berlan um i won't even try to explain what that book is about but like ever since i heard that title it like really stayed with me because i first heard about that book like immediately after i like left that relationship and was just like whoa yes (laughs) cruel optimism (laughs) Like, the idea of like having gone through something so painful and just, like, not moving past it, but moving with it. Yeah. And, like,
0: yeah. Why poetry over other writing formats?
1: I've been writing poetry since I was a kid, pretty much. And, like, I never got into prose. <laughs> I think prose is, like, a little too stiff for me because the way I operate anyway is so, like, (laughs) my brain is, like, I'm kind of a scatterbrain, and I'm always doing, like, ten more things at once than I need to, and poetry for me is, like, it helps me process things in a more... healthy way. (laughs) Nice. And, yeah, I've just been drawn to poetry because I... I'm, like, also accepting the fact that I, like, have this flair for the dramatic, but it's, like, kind of quiet. I'm just beginning (laughs) to
0: accept that I am dramatic. I'm just a dramatic human.
1: Wait, when is your birthday?
0: December 25th. We're a few days apart. That's right. That's right. Okay. Because you're
1: kind of on the cusp, too, right? Isn't the 22nd the last day of Sagittarius? The 21st is, which is my birthday. Gotcha, okay. It's also the winter solstice. Ooh. (laughs) The longest, darkest night of the year. Which is dramatic. (laughs) It's so dramatic. What are
0: the themes or topics you find yourself writing most about, and why?
1: Mm. I feel like the way I write... I always think of this, like, Virginia Woolf quote when I am writing. Um, I don't remember what she was talking about, but she once said... I belong to moments, not to people, and that's pretty much what my writing is. It's all like these tiny, like little fragments of moments that I remember and feel like I need to write down because that's my way of coping with the idea that like something is fleeting yeah. and like it's gone. So if I can like capture it in a way that I feel like is worth expressing, like I'm gonna do it. I write a lot about trauma without ever using the word. I write a lot about Miami. Like, I realized that when I moved to North Carolina. I was like, whoa. You can really, you can take the girl out of Miami. Yes.
0: (laughs) I'm like actively trying to not talk about Miami on this fucking podcast and it's like (laughs) impossible like I try so hard to not even say the word I made sure I almost wanted to ask like about the artist community here in Miami Mm. and I was just like no like not so Miami specific. Like no, no. Cause I'm. I even have this fucking three o five tattoo. I want to get. That is get, so good. I want to oh get the Big God. Daddy tattoo from Flanagan's. I want the Gilda Cracker girl. Like I just. Oh. am Then I'm gonna end Adorned up with the fucking yourself. Miami <laughs> logos. And it's just like chill, girl. It's like I call it a hellish paradise. Yeah. Yeah. There's um. Like and to tie in hurricanes and just make it more Miami like tropical depression yeah just is like the perfect yeah it's Miami for me it's
1: It's hard hard out
0: here (laughs) that's a good mixtape name or like a poetry okay whatever (laughs) um has there been a moment in your writing career which I also hate the word career so that's for lack of a better term (laughs) Um, has there been a moment where you felt discouraged or you like took an L or you thought that you felt failed and how did you
1: get past it? Mm, I don't think so, actually. That's amazing. <laughs> I, yeah, I don't think I've ever felt like I couldn't accomplish something with like a poem or like a chapbook or a zine that I put out. Do you ever have moments where you like hate your writing
0: or like just hate I hate the process I'm I'm projecting I'm really projecting onto (laughs) you right now and I'm trying to get any sort of inspiration from you you're the first writer that I've interviewed so I'm like okay really oh my god I feel so honored like attached to this right now and I'm trying to get as much inspiration from you as possible but um I think it's amazing that you haven't had that moment because I feel like everything's an L for me but I'm just (laughs) my worst critic yes, finish your
1: answer. Sorry. <laughs> I think everyone is their own worst critic, and that's like, yeah, totally out. It's just like how we have been conditioned to like feel about ourselves, especially as women of color. It's like there will be periods of time where, like, for months on end, where I don't write anything because I'll tell myself like, oh, I need to like absorb. I everything. need to live. I need to live. How can I write if I'm not living? <laughs> Exactly. sounds so dramatic, but that's exactly how it is. That is verbatim what I tell myself. And then there will be days where I'll, like, go into my notes on my phone and just, like, like, type furiously, like, whatever, like, stream of consciousness is, like, coming to me. And then I'll look at it later and arrange it. Not to go back to, like, the question that you didn't want to ask, but, like, I really am grateful for the artist community in Miami. Um... Because I feel like a lot of the people that I surround myself with and associate myself with have always kind of been, like, encouraging and just have always wanted me to share things. So I really have to, like, pat them all on the back. What are you currently inspired by? There's this Russian poet. She's, like, my age. Her name is Galina Rimbu. R Y M B. She has this poem on, I forgot what website it is, I think it's called, like, The White Review or something, and it's called Sex is a Desert, and funnily enough, like, the guy that I was in a horrible relationship with, he, like, sent me that poem, and I just think about it all the time. Yeah, that's <laughs> Not because of, like, him so or anything, ironic. but it's just, like, this, the way she writes is, like, so beautiful. Like, she grew up in communist Russia- like, in the USSR, so um, that's, like, a totally different experience for me, but, like, what she says is still relatable for me, but also uh, one of my good friends that works here at the ICA, Jean, she's, like, (laughs) I was joking the other day with another friend about how she should have, like, a key to the city of Miami because she knows, like, where everything, like, cool and wholesome and, like, just, like, so tropical and beautiful is happening. She runs, or she hosts this party every Friday night called Vinyl Social Club. And it's at this, like, dive bar in Okalaka. And she has, like, this bubble machine. There are props. And, like, it gets really packed. Like, it's this tiny, narrow, like... Space and you people, just gave me what to do tomorrow. Oh yeah, the vibes are always so good. nice. <laughs> and the whole deal is like people sign up to do like twenty-minute vinyl sets. They just bring their records and play whatever they want. Like it doesn't have to be a specific theme. And it's just like always so like fun. Um, Anna Mendieta, have you? Do you know anything about her? Mm-hmm. I feel like you would really love her. Yeah. She was a Cuban performance artist. Cool. Yeah, and then She a lot of her work dealt with her relationship to the earth, and also her relationship to her homeland, because um, she was exiled from Cuba when she was a teenager. And she has this series of like it's all documented. There are photos. Um, this series called the Siluetas series, I believe. Where she would imprint her body into like a marsh or like a sandy area and then cover that with like red like pigment like clay or something or there's this one photograph that I think about literally every single day and it's her like lying naked in like a meadow and there are these like flowers that look like they're growing on her That was on your Instagram. Yeah. She's iconic big deal yeah she's one of the like most important artists like i think that i've ever
0: lived is there a certain type of food or dish that makes you the most nostalgic
1: (sighs) steak and like ribs for some reason whenever i eat them i just think of like growing up in like outside of toronto and going to this place called swiss chalet which is a bomb ass chain restaurant (laughs) A la
0: Flanagan. A la Flanagan. I love me some Flanagans.
1: Yeah, I ate a lot of ribs as a kid. An underrated Filipino dish.
0: Which I feel like there's zero Filipino scene uh, in Miami.
1: There's, like, not really. I mean, years ago, there was, like, this restaurant in downtown that I was to <coughs> with my brother, who, yeah, like, it was, I guess it was just for, like, all the people that worked in, like... <laughs> the cruise and like port area I don't think it's there anymore I know there are some Filipino restaurants like more north towards Broward but I haven't been to one here um underrated probably this dish called pancit which is just like a really like simple noodle dish like the noodles are so like light and thin And like put whatever like veggies and meat you want on it but like just the way my mom makes it is like the best and I don't really see it offered at like Filipino restaurants if and whenever I go like I haven't seen (laughs) like a pancit that matches my mother's yeah
0: what's like a feast your family what's like that go-to Dish that they're like?
1: Probably chicken adobo or sinigang, which is like this chicken stew kind of. Um, Also, my mom makes this like really good, like chicken soup with kohlrabi, which is like, it's kind of like a radish or turnip kind of. And it Like, the texture is, like, really similar to potatoes. Um, And she'll, like, throw in a bunch of, like, leafy vegetables with that. Yum. Um, That sounds, like, fortifying. Yeah. And my mom also incorporates, like, a lot of, like, coconut milk in a lot of things, so... I'm sold. Okay, last question. What is your death row meal? Ooh, okay. My death row meal would be... I really love fettuccine alfredo. (laughs) Um, But I also am allergic to seafood. So if I'm going to die anyway, I think I'm just going to try, like, a bunch of different sushis. And, like, just different seafoods just to try them (laughs) before I... Fair. I would rather die from food
0: than, like, electric chair. Yeah. My favorite thing would be killing me. It would be, like... (laughs) This beautiful love story. So we'll a shit it. ton of seafood and sushi.
1: Yeah. And fettuccine alfredo. Lots of bubble tea. I'm gonna eat all like all the things.
0: You're having a full
1: on feast, It's a feast. Girl. I want some banese. <laughs> yes. I also so want good. like Korean barbecue. Okay, okay.
0: No, keep it going, <laughs> I dig it It's so interesting to see how excited people get About like their death row meal food, yeah There's like, I can talk about food forever mm. And it's like fun to see people like These conversations can get like just really moody And like yeah. sensitive mm-hmm. And then when we talk about food It's like they're smiling and, they're, like, <laughs> and people usually end up just being hungry after this And I hope if that does happen You end up like really enjoying that moment With you and your plate mm. of food Oh yes so any closing statements? Do you want to plug your social media? My Instagram
1: is... Which is such a great name. Thanks. <laughs> so silly in the best way. It is at one underscore eight hundred underscore ego underscore death Bam. spelled D-E-T-H. Very punk. Thank you. Also, where can we read your poetry? Where can I read your poetry? So I currently do not have a website, but I have physical copies of my chapbooks, and I also am willing to send, like, poems whenever. <laughs> nice. Hopefully at a cost, because
0: you deserve your coins. Thank
1: you, boo. Thank you. Yes. I, I should to- say, where can people buy your poetry? Buy your poetry. I have a big cartel. Actually, oh cool. And I think I have like one zine available right now because whatever I have is actually at my parents' house, like in North Carolina. But the website is all one word: crying by roy orbison. Com. That's long. It's long. It's one of my favorite songs. Dramatic. I love it. <laughs> like I don't even have a press named after that or anything. I was just like, this is what it will be. Yeah, this is where you'll find my (laughs) shit. That's it. You're done. Thank you so much. Thank
0: you. This was fun. Yeah. Thank you for listening to episode five of First Generation, the number one podcast according to your abuela. This episode was brought to you by my girl Shy for coming through with the mic the third floor of the Institute of Contemporary Art in Miami, Florida, but definitely not brought to you by Miami International Airport. They're the reason why you hear those loud-ass planes in this recording. Once again, thanks for listening. Vaya con Dios. Bye!